0: Welcome to Warriors Off-Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Jonathan Fagan, the Rockets beat writer for the Houston Chronicle, to break down Golden State's Game 1 win in the conference finals and to look ahead to Game 2. Here we are. The morning after, the morning after a big game one, um, it's the the series, the showdown that everyone's been anticipating for at least seven months, maybe longer. Um, and I think, in a lot of ways, at least for that first half, game one lived up to the hype. Um, obviously, the Warriors pulled away in that third quarter. Jonathan, what was what was just your big takeaway from last night? What, what were your 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 big thoughts?
1: Well, I I, I guess the overriding thing right now is it sure didn't take long for the Rockets to get to a must-win game. <laughs> you know. So maybe my takeaway from last night is looking more towards tomorrow night, but obviously the Rockets already are in a situation where they have to beat the Warriors more times now in six games than the Warriors have lost in their previous six playoff series. Uh, but as you said, I, I, it was a great first half that, lived up to everything, all the anticipation, all the expectations. But even through that half, I thought the Warriors just had to be the Warriors. They were just doing their thing like they always do. While the Rockets had to get greatness out of somebody, in that half it was James Harden, had to be spectacular. And you can't really be spectacular, you know, at the very top of what your capabilities might be game after game, half after half. You needed more just do your thing. Just and I thought the Rockets also had difficulty, sort of settling in to just play. And you know, some of that's all the hype and all this stuff. But and some of it, the circumstances. But a lot of it was the Warriors and the way they defended. Uh, there's a whole lot to pick out of that game. But that was my overriding thing. That after all this time, seven months looking into, looking forward to this and expecting this, they've played one game. And the Rockets already are in a must-win situation.
0: This may kind of seem kind of like a, a simple question, but do you think the the Rockets played poorly? because it felt like defensively they actually did an okay job most of the game on Durant he obviously still went off but he made impossible shot after impossible shot. It felt like defensively they struggled more against Clay. Clay was wide open numerous times. Um, Steph didn't really get into the the rhythm that you're used to seeing from him. I think he's still kind of coming back from that knee injury but did you feel like they played not necessarily up to their standard but at least played an okay
1: game by their standard? Yeah, I think you're the first who's sort of said that where everybody wants to just look at the box score and say, oh, you know, they didn't defend. You got to defend. If, you know, but no, Durant made a bunch of shots that cannot be defended better. You know, that's him. That's what he does. And, you know, I agreed with D'Antoni when he said you live with that because what choice do you have? But you live with that. He's Kevin Durant and you're not. And so... I agreed. Now, they had mistakes. They had breakdowns. A lot of those were the wide-open clay threes. And I I thought a, a big factor, and I think it's what I might write about today for tomorrow's paper, the Rockets' mistakes offensively and some of their issues offensively led to the breakdowns defensively. I thought there was a lot of that. If you miss layups, that's worse than a turnover because some turnovers aren't live ball turnovers. You're taking the ball out of bounds, the defense gets set, A missed layup, no, that's live. You know, there and you're going the wrong direction. The guy who missed it is going rapidly the wrong way. So if you're missing layups, you're in trouble defensively already. And there was a bunch of that. The Rockets came into the to the series averaging 9.7 turnovers in the first two playoff series. They had 16. You can't do that because it hurts your defense so much. Some of it, hey, you tip your hat to Kevin Durant because he's so great and but that just reduces your margin of error to so small the Rockets made way too many errors to fit within that tiny margin
0: yeah no it was one of my one of my kind of takeaways from from the Rockets was obviously Harden did his thing Chris Paul was good not great um you know I think Capella kind of gave you what you want he only shot seven shots but I think defensively he was solid but it felt like some of the role guys maybe weren't living up to the the standard that you want them to be at. I think one thing that the average NBA fan who maybe doesn't follow the Rockets super closely doesn't realize is I think the, one of the biggest differences in this Rockets team this season is not just the fact that they added Chris Paul, but obviously Mute and P.J. Tucker have been huge for this team, right?
1: Well, absolutely. Now, a lot of that was because of what they brought defensively. And they, they defended well. They they do what they can do. And, and they're in impossible matchups because they both spent a lot of time on KD. But offensively, they gave you almost nothing for two different reasons, though, I think. Bamute's not back. I mean, he's clearly still struggling coming back from the shoulder injury. He, he's getting to the rim and not dunking because uh, he said he won't. He can't. And so that's how he hurt the shoulder. And he just missed layup after layup. He has shot terribly in the six games since he's back. Yeah, you know, I think about twenty three percent. And and so offensively, he's hurting them. He's not giving them what he gave during the season because he's just not back yet. Uh, Tucker, he didn't get open looks, and uh, he's not going to get a lot of open looks on his own. You know, it's not as if he's going to you know break somebody down. The Warriors switching defense, and we're going to end up, I'm sure, talking a lot about how much both teams are switching and what that does to the other team's game plans. But the Warriors switching defense kept guys in position to close out hard to Ariza and Tucker. They weren't getting just the open three-point looks. I think Tucker, he's going to have to move some without the ball. The Rockets move less without the ball than anybody. But in the Utah series, they added that by game three, game four, where he and Capella were moving even when they weren't setting screens. It wasn't just pick and roll. And I think Tucker's going to have to get some touches that way. The Rockets can't have a starting player in a series like this take one or two shots and have them be contested shots. He's going to have to find ways to become involved. They can do that. They did it in the last series. Very different defenses. Utah keeps Gobert back. They don't switch things. So very different. But there's still those opportunities, especially if Harden is going to continue to play so well one on one.
0: You know, it seemed like one of their, their strategies last night was they they kept getting Kavon Looney on an island. And Kavon, I actually think did an okay job. Obviously, kind of like you're saying with Durant, there's certain there's certain things that you just there's you can't stop James Harden at times. He was also hitting a lot of impossible shots. I mean he's in my mind, maybe the the best scorer in this league right now, up there with Durant, I, who, in my opinion, might be one of the best scorers of all time, which is actually what D'Antoni said last night. But what do you think of that strategy? Do you expect them to stick with
1: that going forward? I do. I think, the, first of all, at this stage of the season, both teams are going to stick with who they are. Adjustments are overrated at this time. It's tweaks teams do. You know, I thought Kavan did one tweak last night, where in the first half, when he was switched out on Harden, he was going hard to try and push him to the right where there, it's not obviously James Harden's better side, but it was also help defense. But if you do that, that that almost triggers Harden's step back three. If you way overplay him one side, that's the step. The second half, it was just a little more subtle, not quite as far of a sellout. Those are the kinds of tweaks that teams would call adjustments fans and media typically talk lineup changes or rotation changes. I, I don't think either team is going to change on the switching defense that both use so much. You know, that the Warriors, for all that they've done offensively these last four seasons, in a lot of ways, they've changed the NBA more by the use of the switching defenses. And last night, that gave the Rockets a lot of trouble. Their only real solution was Harden going one-on-one, which worked much better than maybe people who are going to be critical today of the Rockets have been saying. I've heard a ton of ISO, ISO, you can't go so much ISO. Well, that worked. That was not there. I think it was about 1.7 points per possession. You know, for the Warriors to keep up with that, they'd have had to score 170 if the Rockets did that for all 40 minutes, 48 minutes. That wasn't the problem. The problem was it left very little else for the Rockets to exploit. There's no reason for the Warriors to change that. They they left nothing. So the Rockets were trying to beat the shot clock half the game. I think they had three 24-second violations. Top of my head, I think four other possessions, they had to hoist bad shots just to beat the clock. The Warriors are looking at that today when they look at the video and saying, you know, they're rubbing their hands together. Say, let's we can do this coverage a little better. We can maybe square up a little better here, but they're not changing that plan at all. I thought it worked very well despite how well Harden played. And is he gonna average forty one in this series? You know, he he's the first player to ever have forty in the first three games the first game of three consecutive series. That doesn't mean he's gonna score forty one every night. So right now I think the Warriors are feeling real good about their defensive game plan. As D'Antoni said last night,
0: you know he'll just need to get 55 next time, which I thought was kind of a telling quote. Um, the so obviously entering this series, um, the talk for months had been, okay, can the Rockets could they could they win a seven game series against the Warriors? On paper, at least, they looked like one of the toughest playoff opponents the the Warriors have had. In the Steve Carrera, they had the highest regular, the most regular season wins, the highest point differential, the best offensive efficiency. All those numbers suggested that this team could be one of the few teams to actually test the Warriors. Is your is your stance on that changed?
1: Has your stance on that changed at all after Game One? Well, a little bit because they lost, and so you know you would not if if you said okay the Warriors start with a 1-0 lead, who's winning the series, how many people, I mean, almost no one picked the Rockets to begin with. No one would have picked them knowing, all right, game one goes to the visiting team. So, yeah, it's changed somewhat. As a challenger, a worthy challenger, the thing with the Rockets, and this is where maybe last night is a big loss, besides that, you know, it's a seven-game series and it's one of them, is the Rockets always come up with wins, and you leave the building saying, how'd they do that? how they get a win in that game. And last night was supposed to be that one. They're within four a couple minutes into the fourth quarter. That's that's typical Rockets. Where they're outplayed in some ways and you know the the Warriors look better I thought even in the first half when it was tied. They were the ones getting the really good shots. And then it's a four-point game in the fourth quarter at home with Harden still to come back in. When you don't get that game cuz those you the Rockets have to win a couple of the what the, how, how'd they win that? They need a couple of those in this series, and that was one that was there. Even though it was a 13-point win and the Warriors looked better throughout, hey, it's a four-point game in the fourth quarter at home. You want to take that into the last minute and try and steal it, because to steal the series, the Rockets have to steal a game or two. And that's why I thought, rather than some of the, more obvious numbers of 65 wins and the point differential and things like that. That's why I thought this could be the best challenge the Warriors have had prior to the finals during this run. Well, now that one got away. Now, you, you still the Rockets still haven't... Well, I mean, it's one game. Of course they haven't. But the Warriors are better than that. I mean, the Warriors can hit them harder than that. And so to get a win in this series, you you almost, if you're the Rockets, have to win every game you have a chance to. Last night was a game they had a chance to, and they didn't.
0: One of one of the key reasons why I felt like the Warriors had the edge in this series, entering this series, was everyone's looking at all the matchup stuff and, you know, you can put stock in all those things for, for good reason. But the Warriors, their entire goal all season has been to get to this moment. It's all led up to this moment. It's this matchup, this series was, okay, we're going to get to the Western Conference Finals and we're going to turn it on and they've slowly you've seen over the past seven months slowly gradually built to this moment. They coasted through much of the regular season. You know, they took it up a couple notches in the first round, they took it up another notch in the second round. And now you're starting to see the Warriors team the way they were meant to be, the way they were meant to play. Now, Steph is finally healthy. They have all the pieces and they're looking like the team everyone thought they were going to be. Whereas the Rockets were a little are a little bit of upstarts obviously. They, you know, they were they've been good the past couple years, but they you know went they definitely exceeded expectations and they I think one of their main goals was to lock up that one seed beat beat the Warriors for the one seed they obviously did that they put a lot into that regular season you wonder if you know they're just kind of in different places in that trajectory I obviously don't think this Rockets team is where it was in the playoffs a year ago obviously they fell apart in the semis against conference semis against uh against the Spurs, but. Um, you know, as as Durant said last night, they're not at their peak, and I believed him when he when he said that. As you just alluded to, they they can play better, and that's a scary thought for this Rockets team.
1: Well, they can play better, but I do think I agree with you that the Warriors are trending exactly the way they want when they want, and. Some of that just—they're so good that they can do that. Other teams can't do that. Plus, they've been together for a little while. Where the Rockets had to push through the season because they were trying to become that sort of team in one season. Where the Warriors have the advantage of, of, in some cases, four or five years together. But four, and then with Durant, these two seasons, the Rockets tried to do it fast all this year. So they had to push hard. You—you you had to, and so. I don't think the Rockets are tired. They're relatively healthy. The only issue is Bamute's Mute's not 100% back, but they have their guys playing. And it's not like the uh, San Antonio series where you know the Rockets won game one last year and Harden was tremendous and it was a blowout win and they almost emptied the tank right there. That's not happened here. There's no like excuse like that. It's just the Warriors, I think, mentally... Physically, in terms of their game, their rhythm, all that stuff, they're right where they want to be. And the other thing is, I mean, we all know this. The day that Kevin Durant said, "Okay, here I come," they're the Rockets are the the best team of this season. The Warriors are among the best teams of any season, and that's just different. That's why the Rockets have to be at their very best, have to get lucky. Have to win games that could go either way. Everything has to go right for the Rockets. Where that's not the case for the Warriors. Um,
0: you know, I was kind of impressed with um, the, the the vibe in the in the arena last night. From the opening tip, it was raucous. You know, it was hostile environment. And I I don't know if you've heard the reputation, but league wide, this arena doesn't have a reputation for being as loud as other arenas. What What do you think of that? And is this city behind this team in a way you haven't seen in a long time
1: well first of all that's fair i mean this it's sort of a big city late arriving crowd like you see in some of the others miami los angeles some of the other big cities where it's a little tougher to get to the game no mass transit that gets you right here so it's a late arriving crowd often it's one of those that will respond to what happens in the game it can get loud oh big run james harden went kind of nuts there and so it's that kind of crowd, like you see at a lot of NBA cities. I agreed. Last night, I thought the pregame buildup was tremendous. You know, the fireworks and the laser and the—or uh, I should do that with the little quote marks—the laser and the uh, uh, the fire coming out of the backboards. And the crowd just built up. Plus, hey, they've been waiting seven months for this, too. So I, I did think from the very start, hey, that crowd didn't sit down for the first three minutes. And a lot of even postseason games, they haven't gotten to their seats in the first three minutes. Here they were there early and they were on their feet and they were loud and into it. I think the whole town has sort of been looking forward to this. Plus, Houston right now, and I've been here for like 30 years, and I think there's more pride in this city than almost any city ever has. This city was impacted by what happened that to see the way the city came together and picked one another up and and sort of embraced who we are at Harvey and then celebrated together through the Astros which sports can do you know so it's sort of the highs and the lows and it just the city is very tight right now So, okay, well, it's a basketball game. How does any of that compare to this? Well, for seven months, everybody kind of like us thought this is coming, and they were ready to let it out last night, I thought. It would be interesting to see if the Warriors hit them the way the Warriors can. How deflating is it? I think a crowd, you know, 18,000, they can get up again. They should be in their seats, and they should be loud and into it. But how deflating would it be just a run where it might have to come from the court the way it normally does rather than that symbiotic relationship that we saw last night?
0: Um, One thing I was wondering, we don't want to look too far ahead, obviously. We're, We're just entering game two. But, you know, do you feel like this is Houston's shot at the Warriors? Do you feel like this is their one and only moment? Or do you feel like this team has staying power? Do you feel like they can push... The Warriors year in and year out for at least a few more years. Obviously, there's other teams in this league who I think are really on the rise. There's Philadelphia, there's Boston, there's teams out there that I think could pose a real challenge for the Warriors going forward. Do you think Houston could could do could be that team next year and the year after?
1: Uh, it's a hard question because even if we put aside that they have half the rotation or free agents. And so, what do they do with Trevor Ariza? You know, he need this is his last big contract. They have to sign Chris Paul, who will get max or close to it. And okay, now you're into heavy luxury taxes. Uh, Clint Capella is a restricted free agent, and several teams are going to load up. They the well, they might have to, yeah. And I think somebody like Dallas probably does try and steal him. And for, even just force the Rockets' hand. It'll be interesting to see if the Rockets, unlike what they typically do with restricted free agents, and say we'll match, get whatever you can, and we'll match. They might have to run out there and see if they can lock him up before it gets to all that. Um, and that'll be interesting. So they, even if they get all that done, Luke Baumute a free agent, and you know, over he has no bird rights, so they can use their mid-level. But you know, Ed, Gerald Green is a free agent, and so even if they can get most of that done which as we've seen from the warriors that's tough you get those guys who make very little money they can go get much more elsewhere even if they can get all that done this is a veteran team where does it get better i mean i think there is some benefit to playing together longer i think they can get more things in their offense from greater cohesion folding in more layers of things that's those are subtle improvements They're, they don't have they can't say joe chi you go be Kevin Durant for us, you know. Hey, Kevin Durant's only seven foot. You're seven one. Go get him, big boy. You know it's not happening with their young guys. Their young guys might be NBA players, but they're not changing your chances against the Warriors. So it's almost as if you you need something to bring the Warriors back to the pack. Whether it's an injury, fatigue, you know, a loss of of some of the focus and intensity when you've got ring after ring on your finger. And that happens. I mean, it's a long time since Bill Russell retired. So it happens, but it is hard to see where the Rockets make their next big step to close that gap, which, you know, I think we would agree probably is still there.
0: Kind of looking ahead to to Game 2, you obviously mentioned earlier that this is— as close to a must win as you can get. I mean, if they if they head back to Oakland down two, it's pretty much done. I mean, I mean, you can't see them realistically having a chance in this series if they head back to Oakland down two. Um, so they need to win this game. What do you think? Are some realistic adjustments? I mean, you said as you said earlier, there is no, I think, game to game adjustments at this level at this stage of, of the season are overrated. What tweaks can they make to to give them a better chance in game two?
1: Well, the one thing I did mention, they have. I think they can add a little bit of movement without the ball, where Capella and Tucker kind of move on the drives, on one-on-one drives, rather than just pick-and-roll situations. Uh, I, they have to get back and pick up guys much better defensively. Um, and so that's more of a play-better type adjustment, which, you know, Good call, Coach. Play better, uh, but uh, you know there's several of those where they're going to look at the film and and they don't even need to look at the video. They can pick out things right now that they messed up, that they can be better at, that they expect to be better at. They messed up some of the rotations defensively. They switch everything, but there's help too. You know, there's still help situations, and they didn't make the help for the helper consistently enough. So there, there's there's going to be a lot of those types of things. It'll I don't know how they're going to deal with the backup center situation. It's a bad matchup for Nene. You know, he was ends up often on switches. Although he did pretty well on Curry, but you know he's on KD and Curry more than you want. Do You want Ryan Anderson in that situation? Uh, their bench is lacking uh, during the year when the Rockets really looked like a threat to the Warriors. One of the reasons was their bench seemed considerably better. The Warriors get what they get. They might get a little more out of David West in coming, going on. But generally, you know what you get from the Warriors bench, and it's good, but it doesn't own the game. The Rockets bench used to do that. Now, with P.J. Tucker starting, that improved their defense a lot by getting his minutes up into the 30s. But now the second unit, it's hard to find the spot for Ryan Anderson. When he had the injuries late in the year, he struggled a little bit coming back, and he really hasn't gotten a niche. Well, they were okay with that. Well, they go small. They play Luke Bamute and Gerald Green a little more. But now Bamute's not who he was. So all of a sudden, their bench is really lacking, and you have a decision to make uh, at the backup five because there's no real good matchup in a switching defense against this team for Ryan Anderson or Nene. Does Ryan Anderson hasn't hit a three in several weeks. He didn't play at all the last two games of the Utah series. So what do you do if, if you're Mike D'Antoni now do you say, go out there, we need you to hit him. You know, we're going to take our chances defensively with what you might give up. But he's got to hit threes. Do you say that now? Or do you, at least, well, he does rebound well. You know, he can defend the best he can in some of those tough matchups. That's the hard question, and maybe that falls under the adjustments category that he has to weigh right now.
0: Yeah, just following this team from the outside, the disappearance of Ryan Anderson has been an interesting de- development because he's a guy who was really key, I think, to to the rise of this team. Obviously, a cow guy um, has played well against the Warriors in past past games. I think that you're really seeing, you know, how his disappearance has has impacted this team in a critical time. And like you like you mentioned, I think that the Rockets. They could use another Clint Capella type. Obviously, Clint Capella is a potential max player, so you're not going Those guys don't grow on trees. But they could use another big who could who can thrive in small ball type situations against the Warriors, Hamptons five type type lineup. But kind of kind of putting a bow on things a little bit. Um, we're all we go on radio interviews, we do TV, we do all that stuff, and everyone always asks us, "What's your prediction? What's your prediction?" Okay, so I'm sure you had your prediction entering this series. What's your adjusted prediction? <laughs> After the fact that they you no know, having seen last night, having seen them lose game one, what's your updated prediction for the series? You
1: know, um, Warriors in five, maybe six. You know, I, I would think the Rockets get a win to for the Warriors to win it in five. That would mean finish it up here. Are they going to do that? Uh, you know, they sure can. You know, I have to say I only do the predictions because you know. Bosses want you to. I don't understand why anybody has any interest in predictions. I I I never get that. Uh, And it's uh, my, well, my sons used to get on me for that. Like, why? Why Why don't you get that? And I just don't get it. It's a hole in my game. I'll do it because, you know, for all these years I've had to tell you to do it, so you do it. I don't know what's going to happen. If I really knew, you know, I'd have cleaned up a long time ago. But, you know, I I, obviously now you got to think the Warriors win this series. It doesn't look like one that'll go seven, so the only reason you would say Warriors in six rather than five would be maybe the Rockets hold on to extend it because they'll be on their home court in Game Five, but I do think the Rockets can at least get a win and then we see if they can steal it and make it a uh, steal another and make it a long series.
0: I I really think that the Warriors are actually going to probably win Game Two, and I think if that happens, this doesn't go more than five. So I'm going to say Warriors in five. But I really appreciate you joining me. Jonathan Fagan, always good to, to, to have you around. And uh, we've been sharing content uh, on both our sites this past week. I think it's been a good partnership, so I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, it's great. You know, folks can uh, get a whole lot of information. Uh, boy, you can spend some time reading. Uh, you go to cron.com, houstonchronicle.com
0: yeah no there's there's plenty of content out there uh, sfchronicle.com, uh and also you know you can follow us on twitter so uh, appreciate it and we'll be uh you know continue to follow our coverage we'll be here and i'm sure you're obviously coming to oakland so it'll be a good one This show is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Our theme music is Thank You for Playing by Ryan Little, courtesy of the Free Music Archive. The show is produced by me and Fernando Diaz. For more Warriors coverage, you can follow us on Twitter at con underscore cron, and you can also follow all Jonathan Fagan's Rockets coverage at jonathan underscore Fagan. Check out all of our coverage at sfchronicle.com and houstonchronicle.com. Also, follow us on iTunes, and if you have some time, give us some feedback.